Hey there, thank you for joining the live podcast, a podcast provided by the Love Your Soul Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit aimed to help spread the message of self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has in not only building a better relationship with yourself, but a better relationship with others and with our beautiful planet. So if you're on a mission of self-healing, of self-improvement, of self-discovery, this podcast is for you. Be sure to like us on all social media platforms at the LY Foundation, at our website, thelyfoundation.org. And we're so thankful that you found us and we just hope to help you no matter where you are in your journey and to remind you that you are the most important person in your life. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to The Conversation, a LYF podcast series where we provide our insights, thoughts, and experiences on self-love exploration. My name is JR, Technology Coordinator and Board Member for the Love Yourself Foundation. And my name is Ayla, Growth and Development Coordinator for the Love Yourself Foundation. Welcome to the end of week five, JR. We are going through it right now. Yeah, and I can't believe next week is going to be halfway through. How exciting. Time goes by so fast, and it's just crazy to continue to go on and be like, wow, I'm doing this. And also that, wow, we still have six more weeks. (laughs) Yeah, part of me feels like we're really going fast, but also at the same time feels like I don't want it to stop. And I Definitely. guess it doesn't have to stop, but at some point this does have to end. But yeah, it's been pretty good so far. In a way, I feel like it's very paced too. Like I feel like the way that she's laid out all of the weeks feels like very manageable so far. And I know we'll get into that today where we are going to talk about recovering a sense of possibility, which I think the titles are always the fun part of what is this kind of uncover for the week. This week, you are being asked to examine your payoffs and remaining stuck. You will explore how you could tail your own possibilities by placing limits on the good you can receive. You will examine the cost of settling for appearing good instead of being authentic. You may find yourself thinking about radical changes, no longer ruling out your growth by making others the cause of your constriction, which I think reading that sets up the week for a lot of possibility quote unquote. and i think after of course we've already gone through the week it's been really good to see that change and the kind of tasks that we're going to go over today i think she explains that yeah this chapter i will say was difficult for me in the beginning of it mm. there's obviously we're going to get into it but there's a lot of talks about god and the creator yeah. and as that, that is something that I struggle with. At the beginning of the chapter was a bit of a struggle for me, but there are a lot of insights in that. But as I kept reading, I got to the part of the virtue trap, which boy, oh boy, that one. I would say that chapter for me, that section was probably the most impactful of the entire five weeks we've been doing this so far. So, wow, I'm really wow. excited to get into it then. Yeah. But of course, as we do each week, we start with our weekly check-in. First question, of course, how many days this week did you do your morning pages? Are you starting to like them at all? How was the experience for you? And have you discovered the page and a half truth point yet? Yeah, Jared, what did you experience this week with the morning pages? Not proud of this week. I ended up doing two out of the seven days of morning pages. And I should probably explain a little bit as to why that was. I didn't mention this in the last episode, but I recently found out that a friend of mine had passed away due to cancer. I found that out on Saturday of last week. So there was a morning page that I did in there that was dedicated to him and the things that we experienced together, working together, and 
near the end of his final days really of what we talked about and how we told each other how we really felt about one another and it was really good to go through that and i think again what julie talks about with the morning pages and how that certain things come up and you try to deal with it within the morning pages that was the first of the days that i ended up doing that and then it was hard to do the rest of of the week when it came to that i think that i was really putting a lot of emphasis on what i had talked about in that first day so it was really hard to try to muster up the feeling of wanting to go and do it so it was really tough to get throughout the week i'm happy that i did do it two days is something like we always say but yeah i think that next week will be a lot better that is also attributed to not being able to wake up early enough to spend the time to do it as well so that's something that i am trying to check within myself so i can actually take that time out of the day and do it. I try to do it at work when I get there. There's a little bit of buffer time that I have that I can try to fit that in. But what I realize very quickly is there's just way too much distraction in order to try to really sit and write three pages. So with that being said, two out of the seven days and how I felt with that is just really putting emphasis on talking about my friend and how I was feeling through that. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit last week. And I'm, again, sorry to hear that and I know how hard it is. And I think Julia did touch about it in the beginning that the pages were usually the first thing to go just because it does take a lot of extra effort. And you're right about saying two out of seven is better than zero. <laughs> Each week we talk about how the next week acts as like a reset to start again and see what we can do differently. For me, I did five out of seven, which is where I've been stuck at. Nice. And I don't know if that's where I'm giving myself permission to skip to or if that's just how it's coming out each week and she asks are you starting to like them at all and for me it's maybe half the days i actually enjoy them or i get some meaning out of them which is really nice but sometimes i'm like i want them to be over if it was a one page morning page i could do that Easy. so well <laughs> getting through all of the pages sometimes is tough but i do think that where she talks about the half point truth that is something that I see where I usually go through a page and it's just whatever's on my mind and then I get into the deeper stuff, which I like a lot. But yeah, it'll be interesting going into week six where we'll be and seeing how that kind of develops over to week 12 and if that changes at all. I would say that five out of the seven days is amazing. And I think that for you to continue on that path and be as consistent as you can be is absolutely amazing. And what Julie talks about that page and a half truth point is absolutely true. And when I read that line in there, I was like, oh yeah, I do feel that a lot. I'm glad that she acknowledges that at least that is somewhat normal. So number two is, did you do your artist date this week? Have you had the experience of hearing answers during this leisure time? What did you do for your date? How did you feel? Have you taken an artist date yet that really felt adventurous? So I did do my artist date this week and I did, I guess it's called squeegee art or like the spreading art where you put the paint on and then spread it down. And so I did that and then a little bit of painting. Not completely done yet, but building upon it each week. And I think this week was the first time that I did the quote unquote hearing answers where I guess my answer this week was like giving myself the freedom to explore and just have fun with it. And so I think that's something that I'm building too. It's not revolutionary answers coming to me as I'm doing these things. I don't think I've really taken an artist say that's felt super adventurous yet. And I think that I'm still at the point where I'm folding myself back, but I'm getting there, which is really fun. But 
I definitely feel each week it's getting better and it's feeling more comfortable for me to allow myself to explore that. That's awesome. So how did it feel to finally just sit down and paint doing something that you've been wanting to do for a while, but just couldn't either find the time or how to put that in during your week. So how did it really feel for you? Yeah, this one was a different one because I was using like a different technique to do it. And I've been seeing videos on TikTok for it. And I was like, I want to try it. And so it was nice to see that to fruition of buying the materials and getting to actually create it. And so I think in that vein, it's really opening up my perspective of what's possible for me in the creative endeavors. But yeah, like I was saying, I still feel like I have more to unlock. It's a start. <laughs> Five weeks in, but what a about start you? It's a start. Yes. I ended up just listening to music. I think that I was playing off of what I had mentioned, I think last week or the week before and how how much music has been involved in my life and music has always been something important to me especially when I was a little baby my dad would put on a Michael Jackson record or cassette tape back in the day and he would always tell me that I would be dancing in the crib or whatever so music has definitely played an important part in my life so I ended up just really taking the time to just sit put the phone away and just let the music play listen to a whole bunch of stuff a lot of new stuff saved a lot of things that I thought was really cool and interesting. Listening to music lately has been really a passive experience for me. I'm usually in the car or it's in the background somewhere. I'm not really saving anything, not really paying too much attention. Mm -hmm. It was nice to really just focus in on that. And as far as learning something from that, I wouldn't say that particular artist date, I learned something from it. I would say that the artist date when I went out to take pictures was mm -hmm. one of those. And that was probably in addition to it being adventurous as well, never really took photos in public like that. That was not a meetup that I was running or something that I was doing for work. That was just me and my time to just be out and about. I even walked up to the third floor of a parking garage and took photos of airplanes. That was one of the things where, one, I'm afraid of heights. So two, <laughs> that was like the most adventurous thing, even though there was no danger involved in that. Just being that high up and wanting to take photos was something that kind of sparked my mind of, yeah, I really want to do this because this brings me a lot of joy. Sounds very adventurous too. Yeah. So that was my adventure date. Perfect. The next question is, did you experience any synchronicity this week? What was it? Yeah, for me, again, going back to my friend who passed away, I have another friend of mine that I'm close with. She ended up having a, a bit of a health scare that was revolved around cancer and things like that. I think that was the synchronicity. There wasn't really anything as far as artist-wise or creativity-wise. It was just nice to be able to talk about what I experienced and was my loss and be able to comfort somebody who was going through the same thing. So that was my synchronicity this week. I think it still counts. I think the goal is to see the things in our life play out outside of our mind. For me, sometimes when I get to this question, I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, last week, I did a sound bath in that I know we've done it at LYF events before, but I've never done it as like the entire event where we're in a yoga studio. And it was really great. And my synchronicity with that is that when I was at therapy this week on Tuesday, I was talking about it and she was like, oh, I have one here. Do you want to do it in therapy? And I was like, oh my gosh, is that a thing? And so it was really cool to be able to use that in both veins. And I learned that I could do it on my own as well. So a lot of cool things trickling down, if you will, to show me that I guess it's empowering in a way to show that the, these things that work for me on this level, I can do on my own at a smaller scale. But that was my big synchronicity that I can remember, at least for the past week. 
That's so cool. I'm glad you got to experience that. It was really fun. And I didn't know that was used in therapy at all because I had never heard of that. So I thought that, that was a cool exploration and to find answers that way. And for you to be open-minded enough to want to experience something like that outside of what we usually do here at the Live Yourself Foundation, I think that's really cool that you ended up doing that this week. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. Last but not least, were there any other issues this week that you consider significant for your recovery? Describe them. Waking up early, I would say. And it's not even just the waking up early. It's the waking up early and getting my buns out of bed. That's, <laughs> that has been the big problem. I can wake up at 6 o'clock, 6.10, like my alarm goes off, I'm awake. I just need to get myself out of bed so that way I can actually do the morning pages like I want to. In the beginning mm. of those couple of weeks, I had a routine. I'd wake up, I'd make coffee, I'd sit down at my table and I would be able to do it. And that was consistent. But as the time goes on, something that I have been dealing with for a long time is keeping that as consistent as possible. Eventually it gets to a point where it's, oh, this bed feels a lot better. Or let me just catch up on social media real quick. And then three hours go by and I'm like, oh, I'm late for oh work. My God. Right. There's a lot of things that are there that I have to try to fix, but I'm very aware of that. And I want to do that for the next week. Something I recommend, I don't get out of bed for my morning pages. I have my notebook and pen right next to my bed so that when I wake up, I can do them there since I also have that where I'm like, I'm so comfortable. And usually by the time I finish the morning pages, I'm fully like alert and awake that I'm like, okay, I can get ready for the day. So you may want to try that to have a happy middle. Might, <laughs> yes, I might have to do that. Put the iPad right on my nightstand and exactly. just go to work. How about you? For me this week, I think I've just struggled with keeping a tight schedule of when I do things. Maybe I just need to come to terms with I'm just not able to do that and maybe being more fluid with that. But I do know the value of routine and I want to have more consistency in that light. But still the same thing with scheduling the artist date for a certain time instead of just, oh, I have time because coincidentally I'll do it now. And then same thing with the tasks. I feel like I did them a lot later in the week than I normally do. Yeah. So I guess just time management is probably the most significant thing. But I still feel like I'm on a good track for my recovery and that we're still building upon things and I'm getting it done and moving along that way. I do have to say that I can relate with you when it comes to the artist date. A lot of the times it's not something that is planned. It's just something that comes up coincidentally that I just say, oh, wait, this could be an artist date. I'm going to count this as my artist date. So I definitely feel that. I think that, again, with you acknowledging the fact that you want to be a little bit better with time management. I think going into the next week is a perfect opportunity to do that. So yours is time management. Mine is leaving my iPad next to my nightstand. <laughs> we got some work to do. That's good. Yeah. And that kind of brings us into the chapter this week where we start with limits. Do you want to get into that, JR? Yeah. So this is the chapter that I was having a little bit of a struggle with. But Julie says, one of the chief barriers to accepting God's generosity is our limited notion of what we are, in fact, able to accomplish. One thing that I did highlight here is we unconsciously set a limit on how much God can give us or help us. We are stingy with ourselves, and if we receive a gift beyond our imagining, we often send it back. Something that I took away from this chapter was still that idea of giving into what God or the universe wants to give you, and that it's not beneficial for you to try to push back on any of that. It was definitely something interesting for me to realize within this chapter about that. And it also has actually sparked this idea within me to want to learn more about other religions, 
Um, I had talked to my friends over the weekend about one person is Catholic, the other person is a Christian, and possibly inviting me out to one of their services to learn a little bit more. So I think that's just going to give me a little bit more perspective and maybe help me throughout the weeks going in to learn that. But I feel like regardless of what you believe in, to really just give into the idea that there is this higher power that is trying to help you, you should allow yourself to be helped that way instead of trying to make sense of it on your own. And I can see how this chapter is very god forward that it could be hard to put it in perspective and I try to offer my insight because I only started knowing God when I was 19 and so I went my whole life not connected to that at all so I can see both perspectives on uh, talking in the vein that she knows like how she's writing it I get the idea that it building off of I think the previous weeks that when we ask for things or when we want things and we're granted them that we sometimes don't believe that we deserve that and whether it's God that you believe in that's putting that in place for you, or you just think things are falling into place in general and that you're being offered the opportunity in, I guess, a synchronicity kind of way of, oh, I was just talking about this and it's showing up. I think you can disconnect God from that if you don't like want it to see it in that vein. But I like... So there's only a couple things that I highlighted in this chapter. She mentions we must believe that we are allowed to catch the bus. And so what she says is eventually your vision that you've been dreaming about comes into place and it feels like you're then rushing to try to catch the bus, quote unquote, to oh finally get things into place to be able to do it. She says that we need to believe that we're allowed to catch the bus, that we're allowed to do the things that we want to do and that there's the obstacles that are in place are not meant to say that we can't do them, I guess, in layman's terms. But the one line that stood out to me was, since everyone can draw on the universal supply, we deprive no one with our abundance. So I guess the vein that like, when a lot of things are going our way, we feel like we're taking away from other people. And I guess I liked the perspective that abundance is there for everyone, whether they choose to accept it or not, or view it that way or not. And for me, that was empowering to say that we all can have that. We all can be successful. We all can follow our dreams. We all can do those things. It doesn't have to just be like the select few. And for me, whether that's connected to God or whatever it is, it makes me feel a lot better about the way that I choose to pursue the things I'm interested in and accept the things that are offered to me. And so I think that's what this chapter was setting up for. But the last line of the chapter, she says, experiment with this two-step process, ask for answers in the evening and listen for answers in the morning, be open to all help. So I think in a way, and this can be connected to those who believe in God and praying at night and then in the morning pages seeing those answers. Or it also can just be telling yourself and then letting it stay on your mind as you sleep and work through that. And then in the morning pages, see what your brain did without you being conscious right, of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that idea. And that's that has been a synchronicity this week, actually, for me of thinking that you know the answer inside of you and allowing yourself to hear it. Because I think for me obviously only can speak to my experiences that through therapy, I've realized that I have all these questions and obstacles and desires and barriers, whatever. And I know where I want to go with that unconsciously or subconsciously, but I don't really listen to myself. I want to find the answers everywhere else. I need to ask friends, family, my partner. I need to look online. I need, to, And instead of just listening to myself and saying, I know what feels right for me. And so that's how I kind of set up the chapter. Yeah, that was one, I would say that you were able to make more sense to me with this chapter of how hard it was for me to relate to. But no, I think that that's absolutely beautiful. I think a lot of people who are listening and especially myself can take a lot from what you had just said. And 
for me who doesn't believe, I think there is a lot of truth in being able to wish for the things that you want and then wanting to find the answers in the morning. That was such a powerful sentence, which just because I think a lot of us do it in some way, some fashion, regardless if you believe or not. And going with that, one of the lines that I highlighted was, we must learn to let the flow manifest itself where it will, not where we will it. It really just culminates a lot of what we have been learning these past couple of weeks of really just giving in and not trying to force things, I think is a, a big idea of not letting that happen because the more that we try to do that, the harder it is for us to be either creative or passionate people. So yeah, I think what you had just said was absolutely amazing. It was an interesting way to start the chapter, but I think when you look at it through that foundation, it helps you see where she's trying to go with it. And the next chapter is finding the river. Do you want to touch on what you got from there? Yeah, so Julie says in the first paragraph, we have seen how often we think negatively and fearfully how frightening it has been for us to begin to believe that there might be a right place for us that we could attain by listening to our creative voice and following its guidance. With this chapter, it was a call back to those positive affirmations and changing the way that you see things in your life and especially the way that you say things as well. One sentence here, she says, by holding lightly to an attitude of gentle exploration, we can begin to lean into creative expansion by replacing no way with maybe we open the door to mystery and to magic. So really, again, and I've been harping on this, not just for this season, but all the seasons, is the way that you say things has so much impact on mm -hmm. how you live your day-to-day -day life. That if you can just change those negative aspects of the things that you say, it can pose more positivity within yourself and within your environment. Something that I struggle with even to this day because I can be really negative upon myself, is this, again, is another reminder that, hey, you got to stop doing that if you want to excel within your life. So what did you get out of it? I also highlighted, she said, with each day we become more true to ourselves, more open to the positive. The morning pages, a flow of stream of consciousness, gradually loosens our hold on fixed opinions and short-sighted views. We see that our moods, views, and insights are transitory. We acquire a sense of movement, a current of change in our lives. This current or river is a flow of grace moving us to our right livelihood, companions, and destiny. And for me, that's been my focus of the week, being able to see how easy it is to get caught up in the flow. I guess if you're using the river analogy, the flow of the day-to-day -day in your current emotions of it, the current kind of guiding you. Oh, making an emotion seem so prevalent and in power over everything else. And she talks here about the morning pages showing us that we return to a baseline and that there are things that stay the same that are like longer and things that come and go. And for me, that idea has been empowering in a way to view how, yes, we can bask in the feelings that we have in the current moment, but also how it's nice to know that those will come and go and that the bad will be the bad, but it's not going to be like that forever, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as someone with anxiety that it's nice to reframe how I think about things, to be more mindful of the present moment and not be as anxious about the future, but know that this moment will pass. And it's a weird balance to balance everything out like that, but coming on to week six, it, it makes sense to me. Right. <laughs> like yeah. the way that things have built. I'm like, I don't know if I read this week one, if it would make sense like that. Right. But 
I guess in how she's saying we're becoming more open to the positive. I've seen in my life, I've become more each week believing that I can do the things I want to do. And it's scary, but I'm more and more so being more open to that possibility. And that's really exciting to me. And so I've seen that change and we're only halfway through it. So I can't right. wait to see <laughs> week 12 where I'm at. But yeah, I thought it was a good chapter. Yeah. A quote that I highlighted here that kind of had a pretty big impact for me is from Margaret Young. She says, often people attempt to live their lives backwards. They try to have more things, more money in order to do more of what they want so that they will be happier. The way it actually works is the reverse. You must first be who you really are, then do what you need to do in order to have what you want. I think that also is just a synopsis of what this chapter is about too and really trying to tap into who you are as an individual what is it that makes the most sense for you and what is it that makes you the most fulfilled and again allowing the things that are around you happen because you're just putting out that positivity that good energy right definitely something for me to live by i'm constantly trying to implement that into my own life and this is just more of a reason to want to do it yeah and i think for me it's been validating because i feel like the very first season of the conversation i talked about how true happiness comes from when you know yourself and that's where you really have to start is just understanding who you are and i feel like that's such an ongoing thing so it's not like you ever really know entirely but i feel like the more you can align your life with your true identity that's where the happiness comes so reading this has been nice to revalidate that effort and remind that us doing this work of self-discovery exploration and finding that self-love is for the betterment of our lives and for the people around us as well yeah i think you hit the nail on the head on that one too about it's always going to be a constant kind of feeling of change and you're going to experience different things in different eras of your life just taking the show for example we were babies back in season one. The amount of growth that we've had since then has been really important, at least in my life. And now we're experiencing it again, going through the artist way and how that is continuing to build upon who we already were before week one started to where we are now with what we're learning. It's Brain just, it is transformative and we constantly are learning about it. It's so exciting. And I'm happy that you can see that on your end as well. Yeah, especially for you too. Now we're in the weeks of you really learning this stuff brand new. It's cool to see your perspective on things now that you're experiencing it for the first time. As I am now. Yeah, and that's why I'm excited for this next chapter, the virtue trap, where you said <laughs> you had revolutionary changes. I highlighted quite a bit in here. Same. So I guess I'll just go through my highlights and then you can go off to your revelations. Yes. <laughs> So she says that an artist must have downtime, time to do nothing, and that for an artist withdrawal is necessary because without it, the artist in us feels vexed, angry, out of sorts. I, she goes on to say that we're caught in this virtue trap and there are powerful payoffs to be found in staying stuck and deferring nurturing your sense of self. For many creatives, the belief that they must be nice and worry about what will happen with their friends, family, may if they dare to do what they really want, Two, if they dare to do what they really want to, constitutes a powerful reason for non-action. She says, we have used it to feed a false sense of spirituality grounded in being good, meaning superior. 
that like this martyrness of I'm giving up my dreams for other people is because I'm doing a good thing, which martyr is always such an interesting word, but to see it in this kind of context, I know that you're going to have a lot to say about it as well. And what I highlighted three times was when we can't get others to leave us alone, we eventually abandon ourselves. To others, we may look like we're there, we act like we're there, but our true self has gone to ground. And I think that line to me was jaw-dropping because we can get so caught up in the day-to-days, the years and what we're doing as a job that we lose the discovery and interest in our true self and our identity. And the idea that we abandon ourselves to care for others and, you know, our work, it struck a nerve for me. I was almost speechless. Like I, mean, I, I just that Excel <laughs> just says it all right there. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think about, and it's sad. When I read that, I was like, you know, that for me it takes me to a place of wanting to reassess how I like live my days. I also have highlighted: Are you destructive of your true nature? Which she says for you to ask yourself and think about what comes to you. And I guess the idea for me of being destructive of our true nature, what I was getting at is that like you see so many people as they get older, abandon themselves. I've never heard that term before. And so reading that, I was like, that's a good way to explain it because Mm -hmm. we abandon having hobbies and going out with friends and exploring like the things that interest us and being curious. And the idea that we're being destructive of our true nature, I think plays to the fact that so many people are unhappy and that's why (laughs) which i think is so crazy before i get to the end of the chapter though what what stuck out to you i feel like we highlighted the same things uh, on here i think no i don't think i know the reason why this chapter was so important to me and had such an impact is it felt like julie was talking directly to me that a lot of the things that i experienced through my life culminates into this one chapter i live a lot of my life of being selfless and doing a lot for other people and to realize that yes there is some good when it comes to that but for what she's talking about in here there's so much bad that comes with that for yourself I do feel like there is a part of me that was lost for a very long time because I would only focus a lot on other people and not only just friends, but family, my job. I put a lot of emphasis on doing good for them that I inadvertently don't for myself. There was a line here that I highlighted, afraid to appear selfish, we lose ourself. We become self-destructive because this self-murder is something we seek passively rather than consciously act out. We are often blind to its poisonous grip on us. And I have experienced that a lot. As some people may know, I've talked about it before on the show of dealing with addiction. And I think that there is a lot to be said with that self-destructiveness and resorting to things to not only hurt yourself, but to slow yourself down or have self-doubt or any of that. A lot of this came from this chapter of maybe a realization of what it is that I was doing to me. I think that for us, naturally, I think we leave ourselves to the wayside. We put ourselves second. And now getting older, like you had mentioned, we tend to see a lot of people who just let themselves go. And there have been many instances where I've experienced that, just me personally or in relationships, to no issue or no... I don't want to speak bad of of my previous partners because they didn't know. I think that was just something that I was doing on my own of just giving up things to make that other person happy. But it's just not relationships like a boyfriend, girlfriend, and that's friendships as well. It was just so hard to read all of these things in this chapter and not feel emotional about it because it is exactly what I was going through. 
And it seems like we both were going through something in here that I also highlighted. She says, many people caught in the virtue trap do not appear to be self-destructive to the casual eye. Bent on being good husbands, fathers, mothers, wives, teachers, whatevers, they have constructed a false sense that looks good to the world and meets with a lot of worldly approval. This false self is always patient, always willing to defer its needs to meet the needs or demands of another the example that she puts here is what a great guy that fred gave up his concert tickets to help me move on a friday night that was one of the hardest things to read if i'm being completely honest just because i can pinpoint multiple times that i've done that to myself wow that when you see it in written form you just have to sit with it and just yeah. realize damn this is hard but I think that there is a, pos a positiveness out of all of it and just realizing of what it is that you put yourself through and what it is that you don't want to do going forward. Just like you had said, that there are changes that you want to make to better your life and not allow these things to continue to happen. Yeah, and I'm happy that you are able to find something that speaks so true to you in almost a way where you're like, oh, I didn't realize that this was how to put it into words. And it's almost like staring in the mirror, but like seeing yourself actually as hard it was for you to sit with it do you still feel like since reading it it's changed your perspective of like how you go about your days definitely obviously it's going to take some time to put that into action and to make those necessary changes to better myself but i definitely did see that there were a lot of things that need to be changed and when we get into the exercises that were in this particular chapter there were some things that came out of that as well. Again, speaking to being emotional, there were some answers that I put down in there that I was just really sad about for mm -hmm. myself. As hard as it was and as difficult as the chapter was, there was so much out of it that I realized for myself of what needs to change. And I feel like the same would be said for you too. Which I think is a good step forward. I talk about how each week we're building. Last week I was like, I want to see where she's building too and <laughs> where it goes. She really built it up, that's for sure. Yeah. And so at the end of this chapter, we go into an activity of what would I try if it weren't too crazy? And she gives us a virtue trap quiz, which is 10 fill in the blank kind of questions. A couple being my largest time commitment is blank. I feel guilty that I am blank. I sabotage myself so people will blank. One reason I get sad sometimes is blank. And then she says, does your life serve you or only others? Are you self-destructive? How was it for you going through that activity? Again, it was really emotional getting through it. I think once I got to number four, number five, things just got extremely real which I think was the purpose of this exercise. But just a couple here that I wrote. One, the biggest lack in my life is confidence. If I let myself feel it, I'm angry that I sacrifice for others. And the last one, number 10, one reason I get sad sometimes is that I don't believe in myself. There was a lot of introspection when it came to doing this. And yeah, it was crazy because once I got to eight or nine, I was starting to tear up because this was really difficult to put into words. I know a lot of us who were doing the morning pages, some of, probably some of this stuff ends up coming out, but it feels so routine that we're trying to just do a whole bunch in those three pages, keeping it concise to these top 10 things. It was really tough. What about you? I also found my answers pretty interesting. I like how she structures some chapters to have an exercise to go with it because then you see how it applies directly and it's a little bit more guided so it's not just you finding whatever you think applies. And so for me when I can write out the answers and like one of them I have as I play more I work and I put happier and I realize that I do feel better about 
the time I spend at work when I have more time to be creative and explore outside of that and adventurous and all the things. And so things like that are, like you said, eye-opening to tell you this. these are things you need to think about and how do you restructure your days or weeks to more align with what's bothering you and where you need to be happy. For that last part of that exercise, does your life serve you or only others? Are you self-destructive? How did you answer that? Yeah, that part was really interesting to me because I took some time to think about it. The first part of the question I felt was a good balance. But then as I got into are you self-destructive, that's when I realized that like I do give up a lot for other people and give up my dreams and what I'm passionate about out of, I guess, martyrship or just fear of the unknown and not giving myself the respect to pursue those things and give them a chance, which has been something that I've been talking about in therapy and seeing about how do I take away those beliefs that are so like inherent to my core that it's hard for me to see them as destructive to myself because it's just who you become. You do those things for so long that you're like, that's just who I am. Yeah, which is tough because it feels like you're having to change what you thought your identity was and realizing that the sacrifices that you're making aren't really that beneficial for your yourself. And we constantly talk about bettering yourself and doing things for yourself. And that has to be something that needs to be checked. And for me, I wrote, I serve others. The things I do, especially with volunteer work and the things that are organized, I'm doing things for other people. Sure, I find enjoyment out of doing it. I'm not going to say that I do it out of spite or anything like that. But majority of the time, the things that I do are for others, whether it be the communities that I'm trying to help build, even Love Yourself Foundation and helping others that way. I work in a nonprofit space and have been for a very long time. So it's very selfless work, but also doing things and sacrificing time for friends and family. I definitely do serve others. And I did say that I am self-destructive. That's been the thing that I've been trying to work through. But she had mentioned in this chapter about creatives who are caught in the virtue trap still cannot let themselves approve of this true self. They can't show it to the world without dreading the world's continued disapproval. I think that was the one thing that has constantly been eating away at me is if I were to stop serving others, what is their perception of me? Which I don't think is the healthiest thing <laughs> to go through or to think about, but it is something that is important to me. And I feel like <laughs> other people feel the same way too, is you always want to be helpful and want to be there for people but this chapter posed that question of when is too much? When mm -hmm. is doing that too much? And when is it to the point where you can't do that anymore because you are losing yourself? Yeah. Like I said, it's valid to think about those things. And I am sure what is getting at here is establishing that boundary of not being completely selfish where it's all about you and you don't care about anybody, but finding a place of not letting yourself be something that you sacrifice always not always giving up your movie tickets to help someone move kind of thing we're not even to the actual tasks of the week yet <laughs> like this chapter just it was short but it seemed like there was just so much more to think about through it i know the next activity is the forbidden joys where you list 10 things you love and would love to do but are not allowed to do and she says to post your list somewhere highly visible because the act of writing out your list breaks down your barriers to doing them this one wasn't the top task for me of the week or exercise, yeah. but just quickly, did anything come up for you with that? 
Yeah, this one was not as impactful as the one previously or even the one after this. But a couple of things were like travel. Like, I wish I could do that more. I have some anxiety when it comes with that. So obviously that feels like I can't do that. But that would be amazing. And another thing, which was interesting, was live across from downtown Summerlin was one thing. I think that idea of being in that environment was something that I had touched on last week about where I would like to live, which is like San Francisco, that kind of style where you walk outside and you have all these things in front of you. Yeah. I think that would bring a lot of joy to me to be in that environment, but it also puts in my head a status of accomplishment Living across from downtown Summerlin is definitely not the cheapest. No, it's um, not. No. <laughs> As someone who's going through moving right now, yeah, you it's, know. A very, yeah. it's expensive. <laughs> but I think that in my head would be a real positive in a sense of where I would be at financially and, yeah. and the things that I've been trying to deal with. That was a couple of things. What about you? Yeah, I got through four of them really well. And then I was like, who's saying that I can't do them? Oh. <laughs> like, I always get conflicted with things that when she says you're not allowed to do I'm like who's saying I'm not allowed to do it and maybe that's the point is that you are allowed to do it you're the one blocking yourself so I, I didn't do all 10 because I was like I don't know what else I'm not allowed to do vacation was a big one for me being able to travel more because you are constricted obviously to finances and sure. your job letting you off I also said go shopping all of the time. I would love to just spend money all the time, well, <laughs> which obviously I'm not allowed to do unless I want to not pay the bills. Like bills. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so annoying. And one of the tasks for the week that we'll get into showed to me that I, one, own a lot of the things that I want to own and to feel empowered to do the things I want to do besides follow my dreams. <laughs> That's the one that I'm like, oh, I would love to do that, but I'm not allowed to do that. But I think I'm getting to the place where I'm like, says who? Do I follow through with that? Not quite yet, but I'm there and I'm trying to see if I can actually do the things now. It's funny that you bring that up. There's two things I wanted to point out. One, you bring up a good point about already having the things that you wanted or didn't think that you could have. That was a realization for me doing this exercise of really, I didn't get through 10 either. I was just mm -hmm. like, I do have that or I have done this. So that was really interesting to put out there. And the second thing, which she says at the bottom is very often the mere act of writing out your list of forbidden joys breaks down your barriers to doing them, which, well, like you said, it was exactly what this exercise was trying to point out was like, you could do anything. Yeah. Should granted, you? Should you? Granted, you? if you are you financially stable to do the things? Are there um, consequences? Yeah. But you can do them <laughs> if you want to. Yes. So, there you go. Yeah. But that brings us to our next exercise, which I really liked. I love this. Uh, it's called Wish List. And it says one of the best ways we can evade our sensor is to use the technique of speed writing. Because wishes are just wishes, they are allowed to be frivolous. As quickly as you can, finish the following phrases. And it's just one through 18, I wish blank. And then 19 is I most especially wish blank. You want to talk about your experience first year? Yeah, I think that this is this exercise is really cool. I do enjoy more of the kind of speed writing tasks that she gives us because I really I think there's something to be said with not having the time to really think this out. Whatever's on your shoulders, you're putting out there. A couple of them that I put out there that were interesting is one, I wish I was dating more, which for somebody who has been enjoying being alone and having my solitude it's important to still have that connection with people. So that's one thing. Another thing, I wish I could golf every day. That would be sweet. Golf is my therapy. <laughs> you could live on a golf course one day. Hey, even better. And then the last one, I most especially wish 
for me to be happy and free. Of course, everybody can have their idea of what that looks like. For me, it's just being safe, complacent, challenged in the sense of wanting to continue to learn. And a lot of those things really makes me happy. And the free part is financial freedom to go and do what it is that I want to do. Going back to the the previous exercise of if you put your mind to it, you can go do it. So that's what I ended up doing for this one. Yeah, for me, I love the fast writing ones, but also I got through, I think, six. And then I was like, what else? <laughs> and I was like, wow, I am not wishing for much. But I guess that it made me feel a little bit grateful that I don't feel like there's a long list of things I don't have. I did get through all of it, I think, in 10 minutes, though, but the only the first six came really quickly. Sure, and then yeah. after that, I was like, uh, oh, <laughs> like for context, number two is I had no debt. And number 13 is that I had my tonsils removed. And for those of you wondering why, if you can't tell my voice is off this week, I do have a sore throat and like a tendency for strep throat runs in my family. Both my mom and her dad had their tonsils removed and I'm tired of getting strep throat and sore throats all the time <laughs> and so i'm like i just am ready for it to be removed and done with so talk about being to. in the present yeah but you can see the change in what i started to wish for <laughs> <laughs> very profound at the top and then at the bottom just annoyances that happened yeah i was like if i have to pick other things i guess here's what i'll have <laughs> but i did think it was a cool way to see what's important to you at the moment and the big things and there was a couple tasks this week that touched on this which i'm excited to get on to with the tasks right now but yeah i definitely think this is something you could do yearly even and see where you're at in your wish list and what you, i guess a good starting point of where you want to go yeah i think it's a little bit better than resolutions new year's resolutions this is something that you will constantly look at and see where you're at if you accomplish them i do love that kind of running list idea of a year from now two years from now five years from now what is it that i've done and yeah you can definitely do it taking a look yeah you can you should can, you? but should you? <laughs> that's the cash flow. So the tasks for this week, Jr. I did nine out of ten. This week she has us start an image file, which is basically like a vision board, but different because it's more thought out. Which, if you want to do a vision board, I think this is the best way I've ever seen it done. Like I've really? never thought about it like this, and it's so structured. And maybe it's just me wanting more structure. But she has us start an image file in five tasks where she gives us different prompts to add to the image file now number five is if i were 65 and had money list five postponed pleasures and again collect these images this is a very potent tool and she says that she lives in a house that she imagined for 10 years which i've heard of people doing wow. like they think about those things and drawing it out and seeing it come to fruition which I think, again, is such a cool thing to do. So I had a couple things. One was have a home in Europe. Okay. Because if I'm 65 and had money, I would love to just have a vacation home in another country to be able to go to. This is a vacation um, home. This is not a permanent no, residence. No, not permanent home. If I'm 65 and I'm, I can do anything and I have money, I'm living all around the world. There we go. Love that. <laughs> That'd be the goal, right? Yeah. I also have do a lot of retreats and wellness spas and things like that. The kind of things where they're like, don't talk for a week or maybe going to a monastery. monastery, going to a place like that or just other like wellness spas. I think that'd be really fun. I said, renew my vows. Yeah. I'm not married yet, but at 65, 65, I would love to renew my vows with whoever I'm married That's to. so good. I said, travel a lot and vlog as a 65 year old woman, like 
Sick. Making my perspective of the world as I'm traveling. Yeah. I think that'd be really interesting. I don't know who I'm making it for, but anyone listening, that's what will happen in 40 follow years. This, follow this journey, yeah. <laughs> and then last, I have build a play yard for my cats so they can play outside. <laughs> How many cats are we talking about at 65? Three, probably three. I don't know that I could do more than that, but if I have a big enough house, who knows? Ten. <laughs> that's so good. I <laughs> did you do that. this activity? I did not. I, should, oh. I wish that I did. You I, should. I, you I should. Did. Which ones did you do? Not anything interesting. I would say. <laughs> Not interesting. I should. I probably should have went first. You're right. You're right. I should just listen to you more often. <laughs> I ended up doing two. The, I did the first one. The reason I can't really believe in a support of mm. God is, and then the five grievances. And I think that was more of what I was experiencing in that first chapter. I ended up saying, I don't believe. I don't understand. There has to be more to it. I still have to take action. And the last one is I can't give in fully, which I think for me to understand that I need to explore that side of my life mm -hmm. a little bit more because I, I am genuinely curious. So that was one thing that I was like, oh yeah, maybe I should look into this a little bit more. And then the second one that I did was 10 items I would like to own that I don't. And that's a fun one. Did you do the photos too? I didn't do the photos. I just outlined it. That's the next step. That's the next step. I need to go back to these tasks and actually do that. The image. That's because this is, there's a lot of good ones this week. And for those listening, the one he's talking about says, in order to boost sales, expert in sales motivation often teach rookie salesmen to post images of what they would like to own. It works. And you got the first step. You got the 10 items. <laughs> I loved this one though. I had so much fun. But this was the one I was talking about with, I realized items I want to own, like big things that I can be like working towards. And I struggled because I got to four or five. Mm -hmm. I was like, but I could buy that right now if I wanted to. There wasn't a lot of big items that were more than 200. I was like, mm. right. and so I thought that was really interesting and also gave me some perspective. And then it just got crazy. What would I like to own? I want to own an airplane. Private jet. Private jet. If I'm going to be going to Europe to my house when it's 65, I need my own transportation. I do. Some of the things that I put on there was a home. Okay. So preface. I've owned a home before. Really? I have. It was not a great experience. We sold it a year later. Oh. Yeah. That's a whole different episode. But um, <laughs> I would love to own a home again. Obviously, the state of the economy and my job and all this other stuff, it's difficult to own a home yeah, right, right now. now. But obviously still a dream of mine to own my own home again mm -hmm. i also put an electric car which Ooh. was i was very surprised about that i love my car i've had my car for 10 11 years but it would be cool to have an electric one a golf simulator in that house come on wow now. don't have to be Big out item. here in the 112 115 degree heat wow it's brutal this week it's brutal <laughs> <laughs> i also put a vacation home in california oh okay not as exciting as Europe, but... But it could be a nice home as well. It's a little something on the beach at San Diego. Probably more you know. expensive than my home in Europe, to this be honest. It's probably very true. <laughs> but yeah, this was fun to, to put out there. I think that I've lived a very minimalist life of not really putting a lot of emphasis on the things that I want and instead the things that I need. So it was nice to go through this exercise and or this task and just if I had all the money in the world, what would I actually really want? So that was cool. Yeah, I really like that activity. And I do actually want to print out all of the vision board image file. Please put it on a poster board like you did. <laughs> yeah, ago. that would be so awesome. I was thinking about how I wanted to do it. So I made a board on Pinterest and I just added all the images there. So it's a great place um, to do that. Yeah, so easy. Definitely recommend it. And I was like, I could do one of those, like those websites that make the photo albums for you and you can like put in the 
Yeah. Like I, I could do something like that. I don't know. I want it to be somewhere visible where I can see it, but I like the idea of being able to continuously add to it as well. I really liked it. Some more items for the image file were if I had faith or money, I would try list five desires and then collect images of those desires. One more time, list five imaginary lives and then add images of these to your image file. If I was 20 and had money, list five adventures, add images of these to your file. Obviously the 65 and then the 10 items I would like to own. I, like I said, really enjoyed this. And she says to do it continually throughout the rest of the program. And so it's probably going to be really long <laughs> at that point. But it, I just really enjoyed this one more so than I have some tasks in the other weeks, which I'm excited to see as we continue on the tasks that kind of build off of it. Yeah, I think that is absolutely great. I definitely need to go back and do those tasks. It would be nice to just set up the Pinterest board and add the things that are in those tasks and yeah. keep an eye on them. And as time goes on, try to revisit that and be like, oh, I do have a home now. That's awesome. Or whatever it is that you put on there, which is, I think it's something that is really powerful. But it's interesting, though, that she sets us up with these tasks of the things that we want and the things that we desire to now leading into week six, which is a recovery of sense of abundance. It's about money. She says this week you tackle a major creative block. Money. I'm excited. I don't even know if I can wait till tomorrow. I'm like, tell <laughs> I'm me, how do I now. make more? How do I do it? <laughs> actually, this is a three hour episode. We're actually going to get into it right now. <laughs> But we do have to leave it on the cliffhanger. So if you yes. do want to see what she has to say about gathering that sense of abundance, check back next Monday and you'll be able to hear all about it. Or you could just go read it right now, the Artist <laughs> Way free PDF. Of course, we love to have your participation and encourage you to do it along with us. And so with that, JR. I think we know what we need to do. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Leave us a comment on Instagram, Twitter, at the LY Foundation, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the LY Foundation. Let us know what you thought about today's episode and what Jeez. a sense of possibility <laughs> means to you. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just so excited about the next chapter. I know. We're so excited. Also, please leave us a review of the LYF podcast. Seriously, it does mean the most to me and JR, to Monica and Jackson. Your reviews do help us continue to produce team. more content and grow the show. Thank you for listening to the conversation. And until next time, love yourself, love one another, and love this planet we call home. Bye.